Gates and James Baxter. If you've been paying attention, and I'm sure you probably have, you will know that Jim and I have invested, and I use the term loosely, invested in a Fiesta ST. Now, this is a car that came to us as a £400 blown engine. I wouldn't say banger, because that's probably a little bit unfair, wouldn't you say? No, it's a lovely car. It's, it's, in, it's in very good condition, apart from well, the engine. Well, it was in good condition before we started. <laughs> Um, it, it was a respectable, presentable silver Ford Fiesta ST, 2 litre, 150 horsepower Durotech engine, um, producing many torques. Um, and well, then we set about ruining it slowly, I think, didn't we? Well, I don't think, no, we didn't ruin it. We, we've added much lightness. <laughs> we have. Uh, by taking the interior out of it yes. totally. I think uh, some of the torques have probably escaped out of the, the head gasket because it doesn't quite fit as it should do anymore. But there's, there's still yeah. some rattling around in there somewhere. But then, you see, we were, were quite lucky in that uh, we managed to achieve another scrap Fiesta with a decent engine, slightly less miles. This one's done 91, the scrap one had done 71 with full history, which is nice. Um, so we, we got a fresh engine, we took the engine out, and, and we're now sort of good to go. Um, so sort of talking around the car... Um, I'll, I'll do some insidey bits. So it's stripped out, basically. Everything's pretty much gone, um, except for the door cards and dash, because if things do go a little bit wrong, and sometimes this happens, you don't want sharp bits sort of prodding you in the side, because that hurts. Um, and you don't want to really bounce off of stuff either, because, again, that, that hurts. Plus, I think also if we'd, have, uh, if we'd have taken the door cards off, we'd have had to replace them with something, which would have involved yes. spending money on it. Yes, but it would have meant you could have had carbon fibre, and, and that is you, isn't it? You are. Uh, yes, and it would have been lighter as well, so we'll have to look at those next, I think. Yes, yes, that's it. I mean, and it makes a change. Cause our, our last track, Cars of Puma, which had a, an active, rather than active aero, had an active lightning strategy, um, where, um, to begin, bits just fell off of it um, due to, to piles and piles of rust. So we swept up probably as much of the Puma as we actually... Uh, we actually race with, and of course, it, 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 uh, the nickname Armadillo. Yeah, it did have uh, quite a few plates welded underneath it, and on the side of it, and in the back of it, and the front of it, and well, pretty much everywhere. Yes, really, but the weight it? was low down, largely. Yes, that's true. That's yes. very true. And the um, plates would have lasted a long time. They'll still be there in a few years. Yes, and we've got a stereo and air conditioning, so it's not a fully, fully stripped out track toy because frankly you know we're human and um actually it's nice to have those things if you've got to drive to a track hence it's still road legal um then yeah i mean we've got a bucket seat harness um steering wheel all done in there so it's you know it it is a a great place to be it's it's thankfully despite the fact that you're about three and a half foot taller than i am we still somehow seem to have the same driving position yeah i think our our legs must be the same length so you've got a, a ridiculously short torso Yes, that's it. Yeah, I basically look like I come from a hall of mirrors. Uh, just, <laughs> that's it. Or well, where my trousers really high, I can't tell which. Um, yes, and then the outside, I will let you go through that because there's a bit of uh, inspiration there from some of several of our motorsport idols, aren't there? Uh, yeah, well, the, I think the, the the livery, if you want to call it that, was almost accidental. To be fair, wasn't it? We picked a few um, rolls of vinyl and brightly coloured things off uh, off of eBay, ordered them, and I love eBay. Slap them on the car in no particular order, but I think what we've come up with actually looks quite reasonable and, and certainly very striking. Uh, it's a little bit uh, 80s police car, which is yes. entirely by accident, uh, but there is inspiration from uh, the Senna McLaren Marlboro livery, bright orange, which is is a fantastic motorsport colour. Safety orientated, of course, lets, uh, lets people know that you're there. Uh, ties in quite well with the uh, the blue high-vis stripes and the, the blue of our company logos, etc. So the orange and blue, I think, works quite well together. Yeah, and, and for me, it's got to be the martini livery focuses. And we all know that I've got a thing for this and that. That makes me excited in a way in which it probably shouldn't. Um, and, and I like that. Um, and also the Vodafone F1 livery, which, of course, you know had that really, really bright day-glow colour scheme as well, didn't it, to be honest? So... Yeah, all uh, all ties in quite nicely, and then we've got some some golf. company sponsors on there. Yeah, there's a bit of golf livery mm. um, sponsors and just general random stickers. I think some of the lads at, at work added a few more stickers for us, and they they said, "Oh, well, I thought we were just sticking random stickers on it." Yeah. But yeah. As, as you said, it's it's 
work quite well and, and all lines up quite nicely and quite neatly. And Panda Racing have just come on board as well, haven't they? Uh, yeah, so we've uh, we've gone slightly large with the uh, the Panda graphic. Should take up the entire front wing. Good, uh, which will look rather nice and uh, and some decals across the the bonnet. Um, Panda Racing, of course. I I ran uh, Hamish Brandon in the Mini Challenge a couple of years ago. Uh, and Panda Racing, and uh, they run uh, Spares Panda. If anyone doesn't know, the name comes from very simple parts and accessories, so why not a Panda indeed? So it uh, it happens to look quite good on the side of a car as well, makes for a nice striking livery, and, and Michael and Hamish, Brandon, just lovely, lovely chaps, work really hard at their business, really passionate about it, love, love cars, performance cars, racing cars, parts, dealing with customers, the whole bit, so... To uh, to chuck them some support as well was was quite nice, mm. and we, we hope to catch up with him soon. Actually, um, we, we've uh, we've seen him before down at Brands Hatch. Managed to catch up whether he was campaigning a, a couple of Pumas uh, quite successfully, actually considering, um, and and was keen for us to come along and play. Um, so hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do that. Which brings us neatly on to our forthcoming track session, uh, and of course we are going to Brands, which is a special circuit for you. It is, yeah. It's, it's where I, I fell in love with cars and, and motorsport in general, in truth, standing back on the uh, on the banking at, at Paddock Hill um, at the British Touring Cars and watching Ricard Rydell come thundering over the top of the hill in a Volvo 850 estate. You know, n- nothing stirs up passion quite like a Volvo estate. Uh, or passion certainly, wagon, Certainly frankly. did for me, anyway. And, uh, yes, I, I looked at that and thought, yes, I quite like this car racing malarkey. And, uh, and it's all gone from there. So many, many years later, far too many years later, but as always with these things, life and family and kids and work gets in the way. But it's, uh, I'm looking forward to getting out and having a play. Now, I think we've gone slightly conservative and only booked an evening session. Yes, just in case. <laughs> sensible. Uh, I think the, uh, the cooler temperatures might help. Yes, I mean, let's face it. This is this is a road car which we're we're going to um, to kick its head in, frankly. Um, so we also want to make it work there and back. So we've got spare wheels and and brakes and tools and things to be able to to hopefully allow it to do that. Otherwise, uh, it's a friend with a recovery truck. Uh, well, or if not, if if it really, really, really gets bad, then we can always do what some of the club racers do and just push it to the exit of the circuit and uh, and just phone up the RAC or the AA and say, yeah, I've broken down again. Uh, as a dis- just as a disclaimer, uh, we won't be doing that, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it never happens. Never happens. It's honestly. amazing how many times that same tree just outside Brands gets hit. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. It's a wonder it hasn't fallen down yet. I mean, and Brands for me as well. It's the you know being our local circuit is is the the track that, that I probably spent the most time at growing up and going seeing the Into the Night races and some of the classic GPs. Great stuff. Really, but I love that circuit. A fascinating track. It, it looks on paper quite simple the uh, yes yeah, not <laughs> the indie circuit is uh what two three four five five and a bit corners depending yep. on how you count the last corner yep. um but very very tricky and i think uh, easy to learn but a long time to master would be a good way of summing it up uh, and, and what would be interesting is to find out whether or not we uh, we have failed to master this uh in, a, in our, our next podcast or maybe the one after um but uh, I think as we go out of the, uh, you know, as you, you leave and you, you sort of on the, on the main straight, heading out, going into the first bend, the sudden drop is going to be an education uh, coming out the top end of Druids. Again, depending on what the weather's going to be like, we've, had, we've been lucky with some really good weather and then some, some absolute downpours. And if it's good again, and then we have a downpour, I think what's going to happen is um, probably pirouettes, to be honest. It'll uh, it'll make it entertaining if nothing else. Yes, for the, for the crowds. But I think the uh, uh, no well the, the Fiesta ST is um, is a phenomenal fast road car anyway, even in mm. its standard form. I think adding the the lightness that we have done and the, the few tweaks and bits and pieces will only improve it on track. We mm. think. Well, I hope so. I mean, otherwise it was an entirely <laughs> pointless endeavour. We spent a lot of time ruining it. Yes, uh, but it's quite. I think I've just driving it around on the road and and testing it. Uh, since we've made the modifications to it it's been very easy to to push on and get up to speed and very easy to drive or within the speed limit of course of course uh but a, a very compliant chassis we, we've certainly made it a bit stiffer but it's not it's not bone crunchingly uncomfortable is it i think it's still reasonably compliant. I think that depends on your perspective i mean uh yes well the focus was uh away for a while having some some work done and uh to be honest you're driving it daily, you start to notice it began with deafness and then uh, some sort of damage to your spine. Um, but beyond that, yeah. And I, I think, think you have mainly worn out the engine as well. Yes, I have. Um, 
Okay, so we know what we've got, and we know what we've had. That was the Puma. We've got the Fiesta now. Money, no object. What would your track car be? And I think it should be a dedicated track car rather than just I'm just going to you know blatter F40 around the track because that would be good. Uh, but aerial Atom. Aerial Atom. Aerial That's Atom. Do you, of everything, you would choose an Aerial Atom. I think if I could only ever drive one car for the rest of my life, it would be an Aerial Atom. Good. I mean, difficult when you go to Ikea or bring in the Christmas tree. Well, I suppose you could just strap it to the scaffolding. It's got infinite headroom. Yes, it does. Um, for me, I reckon I'd probably go from one of the early um, Super Touring Mondeos, actually. I reckon I'd love one of those. The rapid fit livery, blue and yeah. yellow. I think that's that'd be pretty damn cool as a, as a track toy. Yeah. So, you know, I think the, the Aerial Atom is... It's simply what you need for the track. You can add the bits to make it road legal if you so wish, but it's pure purpose, it's pure focus, it's pure reason for living is track driving, and that's it, to be as quick as it can be around a track. Mm, I mean, That said, I'd also quite like an, an Exige S Cup. Although, that said, my last experience of that was in Le Mans, and all that happened was water got into the ECU and it died and spent the entire journey back on a recovery truck. Uh, yeah, low, low tie, Lotus, Lotuses, oh, however what, what you call it. it? Uh, I don't know, I used to work for Lotus and I still don't know. I think it's Lotuses. Uh, mm. Yes, they, they do spend some time on the back of recovery trucks. It depends how you look after them, like anything else in life, doesn't it? Mm. So, a bit of a shift here, Lotus to Focus. Ah, oh, you see Segway. what I did there? <laughs> you see what I did there? Right, so, Lotus to, to Focus, a bit of a, a gear change, if you will. Um... We went up last week, was it week before last Last week? And we went up to the Cotswolds for the launch of the new Focus, and they had all the new Focuses there, all the new types, and there are four different so types. So Focus there. or Foci? Well, this, this is, who knows? Or Focus is. Who cares, frankly? It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't really matter. So we've got, there's a posh one, a Vignali, which has got all leather everywhere, and um, it's quite fancy and comes in erotic plum or something like that I don't know Bru- bruised plums wasn't bruised it? plums something like that which is like a metallic-y purple colour which if you ever owned a 1300E or a 1600E is similar to those sort of purplies. Um and they had a ST line which is the one that actually let's be honest all of us are interested in because that's the one that looks really quite nice to be it's a bit one series a little bit a little bit alpha maybe uh, there's a bit of Alpha in there, there's a bit of Mazda in there yeah I think that's probably fair in truth I think the, the aerodynamic influence on cars and, and the quest for efficiency has, has led to a lot of cars being a very similar shape because that's the most efficient shape so mm. that's that's roughly the dimensions and angles and curves that it needs to have to be efficient and then there's an off-roady one which is pointless it is that yeah um, I mean, you know, it's it's not a bad looking car, and and actually, if you're in America, <laughs> unlucky because that's the only one you can get. <laughs> um, but uh, there you go. Uh, Sorry, guys, you know, I just, you know, not means to taunt you, but you get some other stuff to play with and superchargers and big V8s and that kind of stuff that we don't get, so um, don't feel too hard done by. And what else did we see? There was another one, just a, a ZTEC spec, which was, you know, it's nice looking, but it's a car um, and a titanium, which has some bits on it. So anyway, that's that's the range of them. The ones that we're really interested in are actually the ST line because that's the nicest one. And Vignali, because actually, if you don't want the sporty one, you want the one that's got all the bits on that's, that's really quite plush. And Vignali, of course, 70s Italian design house, Ford bought the name like Gear, and, and now it's a, a, a range of, uh, of posh Fords, isn't it? So you've got Cougar and an Edge and a Fiesta, and I think all of them, really enough. Uh, yeah, you can get a Fiesta. You can't get a Car Plus Vignali for obvious reasons. Yes, uh, but... why would you want to, frankly? <laughs> um, uh, but no, there's, yeah, there's Fiesta. Focus, Mondeo, S-Max, Edge, mm-hmm. Cougar, a lot. Yeah. So um, we did a number of things. They wouldn't let me do a J-turn on the runway, which was disappointing. Really disappointing. And of course, we, we are official Ford train stunt drivers, aren't we, we? Yes, we did that. We did the um, was it Go Faster. Go Faster. We got the poster and the, uh, the movie to prove it. Yes, yes. Go. So we, we did that. Um, so... And, and I did convey this point to them, and they had professional drivers there. Um, they didn't let me do that. They did let me drive a caravan at speed um, to see if it would break, and apparently it works up to 60 miles an hour, so I just drove it as fast as I could, and it stopped, which is good, because uh, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be here to, to bore you. Um, or indeed you. <laughs> uh, 
and what else did we do? A swerve avoidance. That was that was, uh, that was a pretty good crack. I quite enjoyed that. Uh, there was the the upgraded and improved park assist feature. So in the past, you had to do the the throttle and the clutch, or mm. throttle and brake, or however many pedals you had tucked down in the footwell. The new system works in a gap uh, much smaller. Uh, I think it's one point two times the length of the car, something like that. Uh, so it'll get it into quite a tight space. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, it's quite quite. I mean, it's quite impressive that, yeah, the car parks itself. Uh, what's interesting about that is that it takes a while to do it, but it does it at incredible speed. It's, well, <laughs> anything, bearing in mind you're with the new system, you do not touch the throttle or the brake. It yeah. does everything itself. And yep. it'll, uh, in the automatic, it'll move it from reverse to drive and go forwards and backwards and do the whole process itself. So when you're sat in the driver's seat and you're not touching the brake and the car's accelerating for you, then anything feels quick, doesn't it? But mm. it, was, uh, it was a good experience and, and ultimately they were Ford Motor Company's vehicles and the instructor told us to do it, so if anything went wrong, it wasn't our fault. So mm. I, I took the attitude of just do what he says, keep your finger on it. If it crashes, it crashes, but it didn't. It did an admirable job. So there's quite a bit of tech in there. You know, there's, we've got that, we've got the... Uh, cruise control which slows it down to a stop and then it picks up and carries on going there's a heads up display and and lots of other bits and pieces in there which you get in, in modern cars now but it does make the outgoing focus feel quite old I think yes it makes it uh, feel old and look old yeah I think so which, although is it's been that, around for a, a fair slice of time though let's be honest well it has but is, is, is that just a feature of modern car design these days that mm. the second the new one comes out is is it like anything the second the new iphone comes out it makes the old one look old-fashioned well I, I don't know i mean the, the fiesta to be fair because it was so similar to the last one yeah you know, if you weren't into your cars would you notice probably when you got inside it you would because there's an ipad in oh, the definitely. dash but yeah. on on the outside you know it's 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 a nice looking car but it's not radically different focus is radically different it is yes. um and it's it's good really good to drive which is good because they've all been good to drive um, and we actually drove uh, competitor cars back to back with the Focus. So we drove a 1.5 Mercedes A class with a Renault engine in it, which was diesel. great. Di- diesel and unbelievably loud. It it felt that you know, the noise from the thing sounded. To be honest, it didn't feel like it sounded like a 200,000 mile taxi. Well, what what got me with the Mercedes was the throttle response or lack of it. In the the fact that you could actually just sit there quite happily bouncing mm. your foot on the throttle from from <laughs> fully off to about seventy five percent, and the car wouldn't react to it, and then all. sudden Nothing. lag, and then go, and then suddenly take off. Yeah. it was uh, it was unnerving. That said, the interior by a long way best in class. Do you think? I yeah, definitely. See, for me, I felt if uh, if you got out of say a Mondeo. Mm. Um, we'll go Titanium X, so it's got the leather and all the niceties on it. Yeah. And you got into a Focus Titanium X. Yeah. You would not be disappointed if you got out of a Mondeo Vignali into a Focus Vignali. You would not be disappointed mm. if you get out of a Mercedes C Class, uh, say a C Class, an AMG, anything like that, with a nice leather and and the wood and the brushed chrome and aluminium and things like that. And then you got into an A Class, you would be disappointed. Because oh, it's not mean. quite there, so mm. it's it's As if, uh, it doesn't honest. quite meet your expectations if you're used to that Mercedes yeah. standard. And and as more and more people end up, you know, uh, people's cars are often like people's houses. You start off in something small and cheap, and work yep. your way up to something big and expensive, and, and maybe towards the end you go back down in size. Or well, in, in our case, you start in a, a small but horrifically expensive house just. To, Due to the unique nature of the British economy, yes, dreadful. Yes, yeah, but um, uh, no. So if if you'd spent the last couple of years in in a C class or or an E class, the A class would feel like a step backwards. If you'd mm. never driven a Mercedes at all, then yes, I'll take your point. Mm. Uh, although that, I will say about the Mercedes interior space, probably worse than a Polo. Yes, absolutely ridiculously small. Um, I think in its company, the interior is good. Um, and nowhere is that better shown up than generally speaking the inside of the Focus is really good rear door cards scratchy might as well have been blow moulded in the 1980s frankly uh, what on the Focus yeah yes unfortunately yeah, I mean, Sim- the, the, similar to the Fiesta but what a shame that the they're rest- better than the Fiesta but they're still not quite where they should be yes it is it is a bit garden furniture a little and it's a shame because the rest of it is so good actually um, I'm sure they'll sort that out at some point down the line um, 
so what else did we drive? We drove, we had the Golf, and we drove the Golf, and that had some nice touches, like a frameless mirror. Um, yeah, the Golf was a nice place to, to spend time. I quite liked it. I, I like the Golf, and let's face it, we like the Golf. It's a, a good staple of the middle classes. It's not flashy. It's quite capable. It's well screwed together. Did feel a bit old-fashioned yeah, in that la- company. I think it lacked... Uh, a bit of fizz. The um, mm. it was a poverty spec one. We will make that clear. We've, that's true. That's we've true. gone from sort of your know, high spec to poverty spec. Maybe feel different with something else. I mean, it, there's not really a car that excites generally. Let's be honest. Um, but they an R gets the pulse flow. It, it, it does. But when you think you've got the R and you've got the Civic Type R, I mean, admittedly, you you will have to drive a chav wagon. But, yes. You know, and you've got the RS Focus, and I'm biased there, obviously, as we know. Um, you know, actually, I'm not sure if it's as exciting, but they are always very nicely put together. You wouldn't feel embarrassed to turn up to anywhere in one, pretty no, much. not at all. Um, yes, and then and then we drove the Astra. Um, the Vauxhall Astra. Well, See, we, we had to drive it, because unfortunately we were probably about a two-hour walk from yes. where we needed to get back to, so there was yeah. no choice but to drive a Vauxhall Astra. And, I feel bad for this because, you know, we all have different cars on fleet and there is someone in our team that does drive a Vauxhall Astra. And to be honest, when said Astra was brand new, it was a a perfectly reasonable car if you're into that kind of thing. However, in today's company, good God, did it feel old. Inside, in the drive, it felt like a car that was probably seven years old in terms of its technology. It's not bad looking. I've uh, I've just bought a 2005 Vauxhall Corsa 1.4 automatic in design spec yes. for my wife, and uh, oh yes, a, a massive hundred and something pounds worth. Nice. Uh, but for a uh, for a car that's 13 years old and only ever been serviced once in its life, it it drives beautifully. And by that I mean nothing has fallen off it or yeah, nothing clonks, rattles, bangs, etc. It's an car, but. It drives exactly the same as a brand new Astra, but, so uh, it's fine for a yes. hundred pounds worth of Corsa to yes. drive like that. It's not fine for twenty odd thousand pounds worth of Astra to drive like that. Completely agree, um, and it's a shame. Uh, what the, I think the biggest insult to this was the fact that the one that we drove was a one point four. Was it a diesel? It wasn't very refined. Uh, no, I it, had, it had. Uh, it was more powerful Petrol? than the Mercedes. It, it had. It had some power. It was. It was. But it, either way, it was an SRI. And in my mind, an SRI is a fast voxel, and it's That's pretty cool, it's got a digital dash. And it did do the thing where you turn on the dial sweep, and I like that. And I quite like, to be honest, the design of it, it's not bad. It's not a bad-looking car. And it, you kind of get blind, the feeling, yeah. yes, but you kind of get the feeling with the current range of voxels, they've done what they could with what they had. Rather than innovate, they've just recycled it, kind of a bit like Rover did if you think about the 214 becoming the 25 and then the 25 again and then oh then nothing really mm. which is which is awkward so i think minus point for the voxel there they need to refocus their attention a little bit there and actually i say the cars that they were making you know in the sort of early noughties mid noughties late noughties fine actually and the insignia fine fleet car and all the rest of it if you if you you know if you've got a voxel shaped bum, um, but actually not you know a good looking car and plenty of tech and you liked the little touchpad thing they had in there which is yeah in, in the old insignia that was quite a, a nice way of navigating the the infotainment system yeah good it meant you didn't need to take your eyes off the road or or faff around looking for which button was which etc very easy to use easier than a touchscreen so what do you think right good VXR we need new VXR. We need something like the VX220 with the borrowed lotus bits and pieces. Get some interest going, get some Halo models out there and make it a bit more exciting again. Uh, but they need to handle, because all Vauxhall ever seem to do with the VXR model is yes. just stick a big engine in it. Yes. And that's it. They don't do anything mm. else. They, they do nothing in terms of suspension mm. um, adjustment other than lowering it and stiffening it. They, they never seem to alter the geometry or, or stiffen the body shell or, or do anything like that. It just it makes it a quicker bad handling car which mm. makes it feel more exciting because you do feel like it's going to kill you a lot and you yeah. never feel more alive than when you're inches away from death i think if i was if i was trying to sell the voxel now i would say the handling is urgent 
That would be a good way of describing urgent, it. Urgent you handbook. have to pay attention to it. You do. Otherwise it yep. will kill you. But anyway, Voxel, we sorted your problems out. Turn the company around now. Get it sorted. Hire some of your dealers back and, uh, and make some cars. Because actually... So, well, P- P- PSA, Peugeot, Citroen are just closing them all, aren't they? Hiring a few back, but they, they did write to them all and say, you're done. Yeah. Which is not exactly a way to win friends and influence people within the dealer network and the people that actually sell the cars for you by writing to them and saying, no, we're done. There's, there's always a risk they'll turn around and say, okay. But then, to be honest, Peugeot have, have not made anything other than dreary nonsense. And, and let's face it, not bad looking, but not particularly good cars for years now. So, But phenomenally cheap. Yes. Actually, 208 GTI is all right. That's okay. Or 308 GTI. Well, they're numbers. One of the numbers is okay. And the one that they made with Toyota, that, I like that. This, whatever the Yigo is in... It was that uh, one? No, it wasn't the one double O seven. Was it one O seven, one O eight? Who cares? Something like that. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yes. Anyway, so we've wandered off on a tangent, which is unusual for us, uh, and we arrived. It's unusual for you. Yes, sailing back up to the desert island blue, um, uh, Ford Focus Segway, and and we are back in back in the room. Um, what is important? If you're going to buy one of these, buy the bigger wheels because it looks massively underwheeled with the small ones. It's just. It just doesn't look right. And the proportions are actually very good. Um, I like it. It looks better as an estate, I think, actually. Uh, yes, yeah, I've always liked an estate. As you know, I've had a g- couple of Focus estates. He's going to go on about Volvos Volvo again, isn't he? Here is, we uh, go. As we well know. But the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on the Focus estate. Again, I think that's it's very spec-dependent as to whether the car looks good or not. And, uh, I think every car is, really. With the big flanks well, on, every the, normal car. on the estate, yeah, you're right. It needs the bigger wheels to, to make the proportions correct. Hmm. Yes, I don't disagree. I think, actually, where Ford have, have, have missed a bit here, there's some interesting stuff, actually. We've got pothole detection, avoidance, or whatever it's called. So as Wireless you, charging. Wireless charging, yeah. I mean, but as you, you know, as you drive along, it detects that there's a pothole, and it, it stiffens the suspension so it doesn't thump down it, which is pretty good. You can turn it on and off from your phone, and you can unlock it and, and unlock it from your phone. Because, you know, if you're... I would just do it for, for just for the short the shit, giggles of it, to be honest. I would wait till somebody's walking past and just keep starting it. Leave the lights on main beam or something. Actually, no, it's, it's very handy for warming the car up, defrosting it on a winter's day. Yep. Wonderful feature. Yeah. I, th- I think if you, I think that's one of those features. If you didn't have it on the car and had never had it, you wouldn't miss it. But if you had a car with it, you'd use it and you'd fall in love with it. I did watch Tomorrow Never Dies, actually, last night. And they had the remote ITV control BMW ITV4. Yeah. Right, you can't miss. Let, let's professional advice here. If a Bond movie's on ITV4, doesn't matter if you've got to get up for work in the morning. You've got to watch it. Um, but I was watching him remote control his car and thought, actually, this tech's a little bit, a little bit basic. Not the missiles and things, but you know, the actual remote control. Well, it'll drive itself. You don't need to worry about this. You could have just told it to go to the top of the car park. Fine, me, it would have come and got him. Ah, oh, but of course the, the whole remote control car thing full-size car well that's possible now isn't it it's been around for ages yeah um, but that that would be possible in the focus it's got the mechanism that mm-hmm. can yep. flick the steering full lock one way to the other for when it's parking and it can do the throttle and the brakes itself all controlled by computer so why not one day these cars will decide to mow you down or they not will. mow you down you have to make a judgment well they uh, will yeah we had uh, an interesting chat actually didn't we about we did uh how cars and autonomous cars as they're ever increasing and more whether they call it autopilot or autopilot assist or whatever it is that the car's in control the car's looking around sees pedestrians cars cyclists etc and and reacts accordingly but the one day or there will be a situation where there's an autonomous car and it has to choose who to kill Mm. it can either go one way or the other or it can brake but not hard enough and plough into the car in front or it can swerve left and go that way so the designers the programmers the the engineers must be coding into it an algorithm to decide what to do in that situation they do and and actually how they they tend to do this i think it's a volvo actually i can't remember offhand but they got a focus group of people together and said what would you do in this situation and what do you do you know if you see a person on the pavement there's a i don't know a 83 year old Granny wandering along with a limp, why not? Um, and on the other side of the road, you've got a, a gaggle of school kids who are, um, I don't know, tagging up a bus stop or, you know, just being friendly with each other and chatting, as, as school <laughs> kids probably do, um, and a brick wall. And you've got a, a choice of hitting one of the three, which you go for. And bearing in mind, that if you hit the brick wall, it will kill you. 
if you hit the old lady... It would scratch your car as well, it, wouldn't it? Would, it? it would do that. It would damage your car. But, you know, you could kill the old lady. And otherwise, you hit a load of kids. How does it decide? Is it going to be like in... It's iRobot, isn't it? Where yes. Will Smith goes, save her, save the girl. And it works out there's not so much uh, chance of surviving. So it saves him instead. And you'd end up feeling terrible for your whole life about the fact that you'd, um, you know, killed yourself or wiped out an old lady, potentially. But it's a difficult, it's a difficult moral dilemma. Yeah, so the, the way you describe that, then the way you described the, the bunch of younger people was slightly less than complimentary. So would you err towards them? Or do you take the view that the granny's old, had a good innings, and that'll do? Or do you think, well, no, this is me and my car, it's my mistake, so I'll hit the brick wall? Yes. But that will kill you. So yes. self, self-preservation would kick in. Of okay. course, a computer wouldn't have that. So no. the computer might take the view that you are best off only injuring or killing the passenger in the vehicle. Mm. So you've bought something that is programmed to kill you in certain situations. But by giving by giving computers the message that it is okay, it is acceptable to kill a human being if there is a greater good. Oh, this is dangerous the now. The greater good. Yeah. If it's for the greater good, it is okay to kill a human being. So at what stage will will AI and machine learning take over and, and extrapolate that to the stage where it says, actually, for the greater good of the entire population, I'm going to kill 40% of the population because it's in the best interest of the remaining 60 uh, just in case you're wondering, yes, we are uh, still talking about cars. Um, and, and let's be honest, we know how we'll solve this problem because every, everyone is a phenomenal driver and you'd pull the handbrake up if it's not an electric one, of course, and then go backwards into the wall and you'd all survive. <laughs> um, there's an answer. Um, probably not the right one. Uh, but... That got a bit deep and meaningful. Didn't it did, a bit too deep and meaningful. To spin us back um, down the road towards a chat about the Ford Focus, if I'm honest, I think the only thing they've really got wrong at this point is they should have launched that car with an electric and or hybrid option yes yeah, so some some form of electrification is is certainly i think to be honest necessary in in Ligatory the car range almost. these days yeah. um the they've said it's coming they promised us it's coming uh, i've no doubt when it does arrive it will be fantastic but they they do appear slightly behind the curve ford motor company very big company got lots of people working for them so I'm sure somebody somewhere is working on it. Uh, I think, I believe a little while ago, they did purchase Toyota's old technology. But Gen unfortunately, that, yeah. that sort of kicks it all the way back to the 90, late 90s Prius. Which, which incidentally was, parked itself. If you remember this, it used to have a self-parking function. Yeah, but it was horrific. It, it was the, neither, the whole car is horrific. It was... Yeah. It did nothing. It was. It wasn't economical. It wasn't CO two friendly, etc. But what it did do is it opened people's eyes to the fact that a car could be electric or could be hybrid and would actually work as a proposition. I remember thinking, actually, what they need to do with this is make this look like a normal car, and then people would more likely go for it. And actually, Toyota have adopted this early on, and they've invested heavily in it, and will ignore the environmental damage that that battery mining does, and it does do a lot of damage. Uh, I forget the statistic or something like that. So they reckon about five cars worth of damage in building an electric car. Um, but you can buy an electric everything, can't you, from them? You can buy a hybrid Yaris, a hybrid Walrus, Aurus, Aurus, I don't know, whatever, which one of those it is. Um, and then all the way up through the range, which which makes a lot of sense, actually. And they don't look any different. And actually, if you want just a car then that's fine or if you want something to have a bit more power you can do and that's when things started getting more exciting so the golf gte for example is a great car it's, it's an expensive car it's a good looking car it looks like the gti but with some bigger um day running lights c-shaped day running lights on the front um but that's that's a great car quick and economical and and on that note as well you've just bought and um what do you call it hybrid electric I have, yes, a uh, BMW 330e, as they call it. So BMW's numbering system seems to have gone slightly awry in the last couple of years. A bit. The the first number was always the size of it, so one, two, three, etc. That that makes sense. Uh, I get slightly confused now because if you want a two-door, three-series, you buy a four, I think. Yes, because a 2002 is a a two-litre, two-door. Yes, that so makes it, that may kind of makes sense. It always used to make sense, and and in the old days, apart from the the three one six three one eight issue, the uh, the last two numbers were always 
the cubic capacity of the engine. Um, so mine, being a 330, has a 2 Three litre. 3 litre? No, 2. Oh. Uh, but I think you, you get 5 for the uh, the turbo on the 2 litre petrol. and so you get points make prizes. They do, and, and you get another 5 for having the hybrid system. So 20 plus 5 plus 5 gives you 30. There we are. Easy, apparently. But uh, it's... It makes sense. It's, uh, it, I've been really rather pleasantly surprised with it to be honest from from the outside it looks like a three series it is a three series the inside it looks like a three series and it is uh the only difference is being i plug it in and charge it when i get home at night when you press the button to turn it on the will push button start these days of course it uh, rather than spluttering into life and, and reading a thousand revs or so it simply says ready but you put it in d for day mode i mean d for drive and uh press the pedal and, and off you go it drives and it does it all itself and but for short or shorter journeys you know say you live um six seven eight nine miles from work you'll probably drive it all the way there and all the way back for about the price of a liter of petrol so it's mm. wonderfully economical um it's it's obviously not for everyone if you're doing more and more mileage then the benefits of a diesel start to add up so low mileage and short journeys hybrid is the way in the middle petrol long distance diesel but what it does do is it it's got a petrol tank if if i want to drive it from here to the south of france i can i just keep pouring petrol in the top and, and off it goes no range anxiety um from a, a performance uh and, and a driving point of view if you're pushing on in it then the hybrid system just adds power and it adds to the torque the the low down torque on it on the electric motor is is phenomenal the the naught to 30 pulling away in pure electric mode which is you know you press that button to be nice and environmentally friendly the naught to 30 dash is is quicker than most things off the mark because of the low down torque so it it completes the engine very nicely it complements it and it's a it's a wonderful thing so hybrid for me petrol hybrid is is the ideal balance at the moment until the battery technology allows you a battery that weighs 10 20 30 40 kilos and, and will do four five hundred miles and you can charge it in a couple of minutes until we're there mm. then actually a petrol hybrid is the best of all worlds and it, it's a, yours is about as quick as a golf gti or focus st isn't that sort of speed yeah so 0 to 60 5.96 seconds something quick, like that it, to be honest. Yeah. 250 brake horsepower i think that's where electric comes into its own and i realize that i'm wrong in saying that your car's a power station because it's not yours is and this is something that maybe not everyone knows maybe everyone does now there, there are different types of hybrids so you've got hybrids that generate electricity yes so like a prius and then you've got thirds which mine, are, is a, mine is a FUV. FUV, uh, which is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, which is a lot of words and um, requires above average or dexterity, I'm sure, just to push that one out. But it's a FUV, um, with a PH, kind of like Stephen, but at the front. Um, and, yeah, so you, you plug that thing in and uh, you get how much out of a... A tank is that the correct term? Out of a charge? Well, it's yeah, you have to to almost learn a slightly new language because uh, when I, I first got it, I got the app and paired it up with the car. So again, going back to the focus, I can press like the button into on the Brian app. as well. That's the other thing. So to interrupt you, oh yes, the the name of the electric charge. They've all got device. names, and it's all like yeah, but they're John. all double barreled So it's, you get you know like Brian Jeff or Susanna Mary and. All that kind of thing. So very odd, but are these unique. these are the names of the early adopters of electric vehicles. Probably yes. There yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's all paired into the app, so it, it gives you information on the on your consumption, your regeneration, and and when you get a, a regeneration score of ten point two uh, miles per kilowatt hour, you think is is that good? Should I be aiming for a thousand, or should I be aiming for one? I don't really know. Um, but it's it's quite good fun learning about it and and working it back out and working out the best way to to get the most efficiency out of it and how to drive it. But it's one of those things you can do it if you like. If not, just plug it in when you get home, unplug it, drive it, fill it full of petrol when it needs it. Don't worry about it. The car will do it itself and and work it all out for you. Enjoy the cheap company car tax and never charge it. Well, again, that's the the company car tax was the main law of it for me uh, so, i think i'd have probably come out of company cars if it wasn't for that um, but similarly i think actually would i buy one yes i would this is the, this is the question though isn't it because actually are these cars there because legitimately they are now that good 
that it makes sense to buy one, bearing in mind, obviously, the cost of having to replace the battery if you're not leasing it or if you're not buying it on a PCP or whatever. Or are they predominantly there, these kind of cars? And let's face it, cars like the, um, the Lexus R, was it RX400H, which Something was the like big 4x4 job that had a mile of range. You know, are they just there just to work their way around company car tax rules? Well... The the whole issue of company car tax rules or... Uh, We've moved on to tax. The NEDC uh, emissions testing or WLTP, anything like that, obviously. The, that doesn't the, make sense the either, emissions. WLTP, does it? That's no, the acronym's wrong. It's, it's missing some letters out of it. Yeah. Um, real, this is real-world emissions like testing. H, mainly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole issue of emissions and, of course, VW and Audi kicking it off by cheating the emissions. Yes. And did they cheat Fiat or well, did Fiat they did they simply design the car to a set of rules that they knew in advance so when you're when you go to school you go to lessons and you learn things and you sit a test on a range of things if you go into a uh, a math exam for example and you know what the questions are going to be in advance then you design your answers around that you learn the answers to it so when you compare the lab results to to the real world results, yes, of course they were different. But having said, you know, and it's been a, a bugbear of people for many years that they never get the the fuel economy that's quoted in the brochures. But I have driven a couple of vehicles and got better than mm. the book value, and that's actually, that's on the old test. Yeah. Um, if if you drive in such a manner to maximise the fuel economy, then actually in some situations you can do better than the book values. Other people tend to get in your way and ruin it, which makes it very, very hard, but it is possible. I imagine that makes you really angry. Um, it does. It's incredibly boring as I mean, well. It's, you, you can do it for about a week and then you give up. All on I, I think a, a week, you manage that? Like, I think all I really want is a Kerr-style, you know, boost option or something similar where you can build up the power and then just waste it all in one go, have a massive dump of torque. Well, it can do that. If, well, if, that, you want, if you want to drive it like that, you the the hybrid. Why are we talking about the, tax? Let's the, talk about that. The low down torque. Yep. Adds and it it fills in the gap, so actually it, it completes and, and complements the engine very well. But yeah, the, going back to the tax thing, the the rules and and the test. Of, of course, manufacturers are going to design it because they have a set of rules. They know that on this date the regulations are going to be this. On this date, they're going to be more stringent. They have their their glide path to. To work down to, uh, wow. and they know what it's going to be. That's a good word. That is a word. And and they design to that, and and of course they will. Whether the rules are right or not, that's that's the actual question, isn't it? Because of course, you know, going back to what you said about the the production and the CO two cost, you know, the the CO two uh, production and the CO two output on building a brand new vehicle, it is far more efficient to keep an older. Yes. more polluting, more inefficient vehicle yep. on the road for, is is it another 10 to 15 years rather than buying a new one, something like I that? I imagine it'd be longer than that even. I mean, yeah. we've got, amongst ourselves, we have a whole range of different vehicles, don't we? Let's, let's be honest. So there's everything from old Volvos and Volkswagens through to newer Hondas and Astra. Uh, we've got a few other bits and pieces in there. And my exceptionally uneconomical fleet of vehicles, because if it does more than 27 to the gallon, I'm not interested, generally speaking, for some you know, some unknown reason, purely because I like to be poor most of the time, I think. Um, but actually, my oldest car is knocking on 30. Um, it doesn't have any kind of real emissions regulating equipment on there um, because, well, I guess it sucked power and people didn't worry about it so much in those days. It did come with a little leaflet that said it was dual fuel, so it's unleaded and leaded um, it always ran better on leaded um, until course. they stopped doing that mm. um, and the Mini is what 15 years old yeah. and then the Focus is a year and a bit old and so on and so forth but So it's only been on the road for about 6 months at that time of course so. yes 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 ok you're uh, starting to uh, every time you go somewhere oh, Focus on, how's your head gasket keep your CO2 emissions down by having a car that breaks down all the time yes yeah that works um, and we've got all kinds of bits of other stuff now, we? those start-stop so that when you're sat anywhere for more than three and a half seconds, the engine turns off, loses all the, the oil out of your turbo. So when you do a full throttle start again, you drive off with no oil in your turbo. That's that's good. Yeah, I do still worry about that, but yeah. hey, that's what a warranty's for. Which is, which is fine if your car is that new and unlike me, you've got cars that are 15 years old because what's going to happen in 15 years when batteries and start... I mean, they do beef all this stuff up now, let's be honest. Well, that's yeah. They, they'll have 
obviously it's the best of the technology they've got at the moment. Um, going back to would are they sensible as as a purchase proposition rather than a lease a company car or a PCP deal? Um, actually, yes, they probably are. If if you sit down and and do the sums over your daily commute, your daily drive, how you can drive that, what method of propulsion, what method of fuel you use for it. Of course, battery technology is nowhere near the, the energy density of fuel. You know, nothing's near the energy density of petrol, but no. battery technology is catching up and it is catching up rapidly. The the graph, if you like, of of that energy density has picked up and has start the curve has started to get very steep. So in three years' time, just before the end of, of the warranty on my car the the battery that currently takes up 100 or so litres of the boot space and is 7.6 kilowatts uh, will the Numbers. size of that drop to the size of a, a house brick and it's still 7.6 kilowatts mm. or will you be able to buy a battery that plugs straight in and is the same size in dimensions and the same weight but it's 100 kilowatt hours yeah. as the battery technology gets better and, and makes giant steps then, then they become more realistic well, Imagine if you get to the point where the size of a D battery and you just slot them down your, you know, the equivalent of your fuel spout, what am I calling it, fuel filler neck, you chuck the batteries down there, it ejects the old ones into a waste system, and that's it, you're done, you just drive off again, that'd be right. Yes. You could live with that. And of course, well, they're working on, if, if there was a standard uh, standard battery, standard battery size or, or installation method, you know, they have looked at quick change stations where you drive in, it's lined up, it's all done by robots, of course, because everything is. Uh, and it would remove the flat battery, a fully charged battery would come out, be plugged in, bolted in, talked up by robots. You know, you watch the, the production lines of modern cars, and I think to, to marry uh, the drivetrain, uh, engine, gearbox, etc., front suspension, rear suspension to a car takes, I think, about 17 seconds these days to bolt everything in. About so, 17 hours to take it apart again. Uh, yes, that's always the way. It was, it was Renault, actually, that did the... Um they did the charging station. They built one in yeah. Dubai. Um, and the Renault batteries are... I don't, I don't think there's enough range to get there from here, unfortunately. No. Uh, it's a completely flat plane under the car, the battery, which is good, I suppose, unless you puncture it. I don't really know. Um, but it has effectively almost like four giant bolts, and it lifts it up and then drops it down, stands it up in a, in a rack, and then puts a new one in. And the whole process takes five minutes Perfect. from start to finish, which is by the time you sat in um, in BP Shell SL or whichever petrol station, many brands are available. Other brands are available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, they I don't know any more than that. Uh, no, not proper brands. The supermarket. Well, anyway, you don't want to use that. By the time you sat there, and you've waited for someone in front of you to shuffle out of their jazz, go into the supermarket, do their weekly shop, and then come back again, drop it on the floor three times, try and put it in the boot, realize they put their keys in their other coat or something else. You sound bitter. Are you okay? Did, this did might this have happened to, to me. This yesterday. has happened to me a yes. lot. What? Yes, why do they need feel the need to put supermarkets in petrol stations? Or why don't we just have a? You fill it, up. You drive off and park in front of it. And then you let someone else fill up with fuel. Because there's no money in selling fuel anymore, so you need oh, to yes, have a shop to earn some money. Yes, but there'll be even less soon when it's all electric. That's true. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, for me, yes, I'm a petrol head, and yes, I like to spread my carbon footsteps by driving lots of um, very inefficient cars. I'm not sure that's how it works. But anyway, I, my carbon footprint is not as big for each car because I use it less. That's true. That's, this, is, this is fact. Or maybe it's fact. I don't know. I've just made that up. It's your um, fact. It's my fact. Um... It might as well have been, you know, printed in. Um, I was going to say the newspaper's name then, but anyway, we'll we'll move we'll move swiftly on from that. Um, but actually, for my my gentle commute to work, which is um, a leisurely five and a half miles, mostly in traffic, um, to an average of about seventeen and a bit mpg in the Focus. Um, See, a pure electric for perfect. commuting would suit you down to and the no ground. company car tax, exactly. so I could effectively have a free car. Yes. Which is which is appealing, except for the fact that what are your available fully electric free cars? There's a Renault Zoe, a Twizy, which is you know frankly you might as well walk. I mean they're great fun Teslas, if you live in Spain. But of course they they're all they cost they're a million many pounds, tens million of thousands pounds. of pounds. Uh, there is a Focus pure electric, of course. Was was a, a Focus pure electric, and it, was. it wasn't really a thing, was it? Uh, well, no, they only sold it from two dealerships in the UK, which meant that about 70% of the population, if they bought one, wouldn't have enough range on the battery to drive it home that day, so they'd have to have an eight-hour stopover on the way home, I think which is not ideal. I think we worked some time ago. We worked out, actually, yes, for us to get back, we would have to stop and charge it. We'd have to have an overnight. Because you're going to 80 miles a time. Something 
like that. Yeah, see, see that's just that's just pointless. It's, it's a nice idea, but actually you want a real proposition. But yeah, for normal day-to-day stuff, hmm. and as Zoe does, what, a couple of hundred miles? There's a leaf, of course, but, you know, again, ugh, dreary. <laughs> um, smart car? Oh, smart, there's a smart car electric? Is a smart full electric? Yeah. Oh, God. Actually, to be honest, I went to, um, uh, when they launched the Twizy, I, I got to put my hands up inside the back end of a Twizy, which is... Which is an experience. Not a euphemism. Not a euphemism. And there's a massive, no rubber gloves required. Unless, of course, there's a battery in there, in which case, yes, your rubber gloves are required because you would be killed instantly. Um, but there's a big sort of area where you would put effectively like a battery tank under the rear seats. And it shares its chassis with the smart car um, and is rear-engined like a sports car. But as I say, I think, I think a, a plug-in hybrid electric would be perfect for you. As I say, I, I charge mine and I could do uh, about... 16, 17, 18 miles on a full charge, which obviously, depending on your kilowatt hour rate from your your electricity company, costs you about a pound, one pound twenty one. At the minute, one, let's say it's one pound thirty. At, at the moment, yes, you can fuel your car up, and it's one pound ten or whatever. Until they figure out that we're using that fuel because we have a smart meter for fueling cars, and they can tax us on it, that could be the first thing. Um, the second thing is that although this is all you know very exciting and and um, I can get really, really enthusiastic about tax. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, what I want to know is, how can electric make me go faster? Because actually, electric Talk. motors, yeah, well, electric motors are supremely powerful, and assuming you can get enough power to them, then you can go at an incredible amount of speed, assuming the drivetrain can not destroy itself in the process. Well, I think one one thing that really highlights where we are with electric at the moment is Goodwood Festival of Speed. Of course, we were both there. Yep. And the two the two quickest times of the entire weekend mm. were both fully electric vehicles. The so VW Pikes Peaks. Yeah. The, the ultimate petrol heads festival of speed. It is the mecha. festival of yeah. speed. Petrol heads mecca. Mm. The fastest two cars were electric. So I think that, for me, more than anything, shows the turning point we have now We've reached that point. Electric is here. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. No. It's only going to get better. Motorsport improves it, makes things quicker, faster, last longer. You know, Formula E, the early cars, you have to swap cars halfway through the race because the battery runs out, which looks it's a rubbish. bit odd, to be honest. And yeah. and uh, I think a few drivers have had a few injuries and hurt themselves getting in and out of cars quickly, etc., which is a bit odd. A Le Mans but, start. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they don't just, even do that in Le Mans anymore, of course. No, exactly, of course not. Um, but uh, yeah, whereas the the cars that are coming out this year will do the whole race on mm. one battery charge. So good, but of course uh, they've given it to the teams and and they've said, well, improve it as you know, however you can. So the more efficient they've made it, the more they worked on the battery tech, etc. Then the more power they can use. But then out the stage where it will do the whole race and. It, it's in their interest to go quicker and be more efficient, and that filters down. And of course, the government has said now that they don't actually expect everything to be all electric by 2040 or zero emissions. They don't actually mean all electric; they mean electric or hydrogen, which has obviously disappeared. Well, they, they keep changing the, the rules. They say nothing with with any form of combustion whatsoever. Actually, no, we didn't mean that. Nothing with just combustion. Yes. Actually, no, we didn't mean that. No, only pure electric. Actually, no, we didn't mean that at all. And the problem is that there aren't enough car nuts and there aren't enough petrol heads mm. in the government. That's that, Because that's a problem. none of them know what they're talking about. They don't. At all. So you have, unfortunately, uneducated people setting the rules for the educated people to follow. Yes. Which leads to emissions cheats and scandals and things like so that. So when you say what we effectively need, rather than having the House of Lords, we need like a House of Petrol Heads. Yes. We should do that. We, we should. should be. We should all of us collectively. Everyone, all of yes, and you, indeed, you, um, yes. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not just joking. I mean, we, we really should. We should form a, a collective forum, and we should advise. We could be a think tank. We could be a think tank with a tank. They wouldn't listen to us, though. Would they? they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't listen to us at all. And that's probably sensible. And 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 uh, yeah, thank you for for actually taking the time to listen to us now, as we we sort of ramble on about this, that, and and everything else. Prediction then. Two things. Firstly. Elect- uh, non-electric, non-hydrogen, so good old-fashioned internal combustion ice cars, ice cars, internal combustion engine cars. Are they going to be just the preserve of the enthusiasts that you take out of the weekend? That's question one. Question two is, will any of this matter in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, when our kids grow up and learn to drive? And will they learn to drive, though? That's the point. 
will they learn to drive? If the cars drive yourself. You know, we could be talking autonomous cars. Actually, the car goes home, or the car is at home. In fact, it wouldn't need to be. It could be anywhere, really. Um, picks you up, takes you to work, takes the kids to school, and they're safe because they're inside the car. Cars driving along, windows frost themselves, tint themselves, whatever. So Unless the car decides can... to kill the occupants, because that's for the that greater good. That is a good. problem, yes. And then they could go and pick up your mother-in-law, take her to get her hair done. You would you, you definitely need well. to see any of your family, basically. That's what we're saying. Take me to the pub. And then, actually, what's the need to drive? You'd only drive if you want to at the moment. You know, what's the need to have a helicopter license? It's yeah, it's for for recreation, for passion. You know, what's what's the point in having our track car? Fun. It's a hobby. That's all. There's there's no mm. other reason, is there? There's oh, no well, unless your normal everyday car's broken, in which case there's. Well, yeah, it has, it has come in handy for you, yeah. hasn't it? It has. Uh, but no, it does raise the question again. I look outside the window now, and I can see one, two, three, four. I can see about twelve cars, vans, etc., all parked up outside, not doing anything. Do yeah, no, doing not a thing. So actually, give it an period of time. Could be ten years. Could be fifteen. Could be twenty. Could be longer. Will you need to own a car at all? Or bearing in mind, my car provides me with a means to get to work, and it then sits there all day. That car could then equally disappear off, and like you say, take somebody somewhere else, do something, yeah. do something else overnight. It picks people up and takes them home from the pub. It's Will cars become not owned by the public? Will it, yeah. Will it be a taxi? But will it smell like public transport inside? Because I really don't know. Probably. Oh, um, God. But yeah, the the argument against that is well, actually, no. The, I'm describing a taxi, and taxis have been around for years. And how many people rely exclusively on taxis to get around, take their kids to school, pick their mother-in-law up, and do the shopping? Not many. But maybe, maybe we're looking at taxis the wrong way. Maybe. If you had a taxi subscription service and you paid £50 a month for your taxi and you used it like Netflix, well, not like Netflix because that's something else. Netflix and chill, as we know, and we're not going to have taxi and chill because that's going to make the, this the issue you get with Netflix is that there's one person who pays for it and then about 15 other people who just leech off them. Yes. So that wouldn't work. Yes, I think I've probably got five or six people on there. Um, and they provide a great service, and I'm sure there are other alternatives out there. Amazon, I've got that. That's a good service. Um, yeah. But anyway, yes, you're right. The people will leech off you. So that that is an issue. But actually, will people feel the need to drive anyway, apart from for recreation? At which point, what do you do? Well, I think the the internal combustion engine, as you say, I think it'll remain... Right is on the it, wall. It'll be around, but it'll be low-volume sports car manufacturers. It'll be at, at race weekends and meetings and... Enthusiast clubs and meetings that you know the the weekends there will still be the the sights sounds and smells of the internal combustion engine for a long 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 time to come. I mean, is it going to become the dirty habit though? I mean, it could be. It's, it's odd. You think about how we've we've changed our perspective on smoking. Hmm. It was you, you'd go to the pub, you go to a bowling alley, and there would just be smog. And we realised when the smoking ban happened, two things. Firstly that the carpets in pubs smell ridiculously bad. <laughs> and every pub had to be refurbished or get knocked down. And also the general public smell ridiculously bad. Yes. The, the smell of cigarettes does cover up the smell of BO quite effectively. Yes, but the smell hangs around. And what we noticed then was everyone went standing outside. And you had the little rebels, you know, standing there, just have a little puff outside the door, like you know, the cool kids, you know, standing there, yeah, have a little puff. But it's sort of become a bit, not antisocial, but a bit, well, you know, they're outside smoking. It's a, it, It's... It's not seen the right way. And when I've spoken to kids before about, you know, what's your favourite car? And they go, Tesla. And it's a great car. Tesla. Well, why? Oh, it's environmentally friendly. Yeah. Ludicrous mode. It's, it's incredibly fast. There's a lot to be said for it. But they're going to go, uh, they're, they're, they're dirty ices. Hmm. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, it's a possibility. It's, mm. it's what you grow up with and, and what you know, isn't it? The for you and me and, and people of our age and older and you know a decade or so younger yeah. cars have an engine they make a noise that's it whether you're you take it to the enthusiast level and you love the mm. the roar and the burble of a V8 V10 V12 and and V8, screeching tires really. got to be a V8 yeah. uh, whether you you know you take it to that extreme or or not for most people and the current generations, then cars make a noise. Yeah. Uh, more, more and more electric cars you have, Do then they, they don't a make a noise. I, mean, I saw a Morris Minor drive past earlier, and that's, you know, they've got a tiny little engine in they there. They make so. some noise. 
A-series engine, I'm guessing. But yeah. anyway, but yeah. the, the noise, but it made you know, a, a brilliant noise going past, but most of the stuff go, goes <laughs> as it goes past, and that's it. Oh, yeah, but that's the, just the noise from my one nostril. Anything electric is is obviously infinitely quieter. So it's, if it's if you're so you were born in the last couple of years, then as you grow up um, and you're around cars, you will simply be used to them not making a noise. So a car making a noise will become unusual mm. and therefore less acceptable. Like you say, with the smoking in the days when everyone smoked and you smoked everywhere, it was acceptable. Now, if somebody was smoking inside, that's not acceptable mm. and it's unusual. But I will have to say that as far as dirty habits go, there are probably worse. And actually, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to have driving a, you know, a normal combustion engine as, as my, my dirty habit in 20, 30 years' time. Apart from the noise, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no downside to electric. No. Well, and, to, and the existing range problems. Yeah. That would be sorted. The, yeah, the, that will improve. And, yeah. and like I say, for, for most people the the range of i think you know you can buy um pure electric vehicles with a, a three or four hundred mile range how many people drive more than 400 miles in a day rare mm. not many uh, unless you're think, unless you're a lorry in which case what do you make the whole trailer of batteries uh yeah you need yeah you need a, a lorry towing a trailer of batteries just to tow the lorry trailer. you'd have to have the, the stock on top so again, in in that case, will lorries always remain diesel just purely for for range and length? But even then, lorry drivers there are limits on how long they can drive for. So, and as charging becomes better, will that remove that? So my my final thoughts really on internal combustion engine. If you really want to save the planet, don't fly. And I think Derek Bell said this best. And this was when they changed the rules with regards to fueling and how everyone ran out of fuel as they're working their way around on races. And they worked out that at the end of it all. All they'd really saved was the equivalent of a flight from London to New York in terms of the actual damage they'd done for the entire race season, if they, including the fuel they've actually used, if they were using all the fuel, one flight to New York. So if you really want to save the planet, don't fly. For one person on. or one plane? One plane. See, I heard a, uh, a snippet that the, uh, the fuel tankers that you see buzzing around the country delivering fuel to petrol stations... Uh, we had a, a chap who worked here at the time, and he lived uh, 50-odd, 60 miles away. So he did, he did a lot of miles a year. And I worked out a fuel tanker was, was big enough for him to keep him going for five years. Uh, but the same size fuel tanker, apparently your average Airbus jetting off to Costa Del, wherever it is, uses one and a half of those just on taxi and takeoff. That's, that, so, that is crazy. To put Electric it into planes. perspective, to put it into perspective, the the car industry. Yes, there are a lot of cars on the road. There's a lot of lorries and buses and things like that. And yes, they do kick out a lot of pollution. But is it the? Are they the biggest polluter? Certainly not. One place that I suspect we're not really going to see much in terms of electric cars is Goodwood Revival Rev. Um, we might see some classic cars with um, electric engines, I say engines, but electric motors effectively under there. We've seen a few, the classic Mini that BMW did as a, a marketing stunt actually I'd like to buy uh, and there are a few companies out there that are now um, fitting vehicles with electric motors, classic vehicles, so classic Porsches and things. And a few people, I saw the other day a guy had removed his, uh, his V8 engine or his V10 sacrilege and, and fitted a, a Tesla powertrain just because he could, to see if he could. Impressive, and it worked. Uh, impressive, I think. Um, if you want, some, you know, a, a good-looking Tesla, but if you are removing a V10, I wonder whether I'd rather remove a Testy. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, but anyway, we digress. Uh, there's a surprise for you all. Good revival, yes. So, big names, big faces, big cars, big heavy Jaguars wallowing around. Some uh, some small cars as well, like the, the little Owlet, if you've seen that one, darting around is, is pretty crazy, leaning extreme angles. Well, it's, it's an odd one, actually. For, for all my years of living in Sussex and the 20-odd years that I've been going to the Festival of Speed, I've never been to the Revival. Yeah, you see, uh, it's, for me, bearing in mind that I dress like I'm going to the Revival on pretty much a daily occurrence, which is all the more amusing when people see me jump into a chav wagon and, uh, and drive around. I feel quite at home there, to be honest, because everyone dresses how I'd expect. It is a bit of you, isn't it? It, it is quite literally me in tweed. But I am um, looking forward to it. What, are you looking forward to me in tweed? Uh, no, the festival, uh, not festival of speed, the revival. Yes. Uh, and you I, in I tweed, I'm used to. It's, it's a, a completely different vibe, um, to be honest with you, revival, to, 
to, to Foz. Um, inside talk here for your revival, Rev and Foz, eh? You say you never would have guessed, would you? Um, but everything shifts around a bit. So rather than being about the hill, it's a large, it's a large round of it. It's still about the paddock. Um, some of it you can't really get into unless you're uh, fortunate enough to be able to have a media pass or remember the GRRC. Um, or you're wearing tweed. Or indeed, you're wearing tweed uh, and a necktie. And this is this is a fact. You have to go wearing a shirt and tie because if you're not wearing a shirt and tie, and indeed quite often a jacket or tweed, you're not allowed to go into those areas. You have to be dressed properly. Wonderful. Good as it should be. Um, reminds me of being at school. Um, but everything is is focused around the track, and you get some beautiful little bits where, um, for example, everything stops so there's no noise during communion. How unusual. It, it is. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And you get to see some very, very priceless cars. I know we see supercars and everything else wazzing up the hill. But these are people that will be driving in you know, a few million pounds worth of Ferraris. Just you know, bumper to bumper. And there's some out there that, that they try and protect the cars. There's others out there that just think, sorry, I'm racing. And, and they just go for it. Uh, and it is it's brilliant for that. And we spoke to some interesting people last year. We spoke to Andy Prue, um, of course, drives the Ford GT uh, at Le Mans we spoke to a number of different people that are going to be there so um, if you think of I can never say his name Theopathetis for example he's there he loves his racing um, Nick Mason yeah absolutely uh, Tiff Nadell obviously always a, a, a brilliant chap to talk to huge personality and really really lovely guy and we've been lucky you know over the last few years just to speak to nice person after nice person some people that, that are really fascinating really interesting people Um and and so there's a lot to look forward to there, I think. And the noise of proper petrol engines as well. Yes, indeed. Or if there is electric cars, or should I say, if there are electric cars, um, you won't hear them anyway. Um, and once they've decided whether they're going to kill you or not, it doesn't matter because you won't hear them. It'll come as a complete surprise to you. So they run up behind you. Fear the real killers. Yes, indeed. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.